You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. This week we're discussing George Miller's fourth installment in the Mad Max franchise, Mad Max Fury Road. Fury Road. Type thing. I'll cut that one in. It'll just be like Dr. Claw coming out of nowhere. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar. Welcome to the party, pal. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Man's got to know his limitations. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's put a smile on that face. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It smells like... Victory. This sort of thing has cropped up before, and it has always been due to human error. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me as always, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Fury Road Benson. Do I have to address you like that every time? Yes. All right, this is going to be difficult. Jeremy. Do it. Fury Road Benson. There we go. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, we're talking about Mad Max Fury Road. I think we've gotten that point across. Yeah, we definitely got that across. This is the non-spoiler portion of the of the podcast. Could you really give any spoilers to this movie? There's not much of a plot. No, I think there's a lot of spoilers you can give away in this film. Okay, yes, there's not much in terms of like, this is a plot narrative. But there are things that happen in the movie and there's like a lot of world building that's going on. That's pretty cool. Basically, you're just going to say a bunch of... And that part is really fun, and that part is really cool. So, like, even the spoilers are just going to be like, man, that's more like advertising for this film. Yeah, well, oh, man, this film is awesome, though. I th- was thoroughly entertained from start to finish. What a fun fucking roller coaster ride of a film! It was great. I loved it. What'd you think? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really liked it. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, the movie is just one long chase scene. I mean, it's, it's got some slowdown moments that we'll, that we'll, we'll talk about later, but uh, it's, um, it's pretty nonstop. Yeah, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty solid. I was a little, I don't know, I guess the traditional movie goer in me was a little thrown off at the beginning. Our hero in the movie sort of is tagging along, unfortunately, through a lot of the beginning of the movie. I kept waiting on it. When's, when's Mad Max going to go Rambo on these fuckers? Yeah, he does, though. I mean... Yeah, yeah, eventually, but... <laughs> yeah. Th- there's not a lot of dialogue. From Tom Hardy? Anybody, really. Well, I, I would say that uh, Charlize Theron has the majority of the dialogue. Either that or the dude... Yeah. The Nux character. Who the is one p- that's determined to go to Valhalla. Yes, who was played by Nicholas Holt. Well, Nicholas, you did an amazing job. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So I, I, I like, look some stuff up to see if, you know, this. we saw the movie. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Okay, so. 3D showing. There's there's some days in here between that is going to fog my memory. But afterwards, I went home and did, did a little research. And apparently, during shooting, Tom Hardy had gotten really pissed at George Miller, saying that he did not give him enough direction during the, during the filming of the movie. And then after, when he saw the movie in the theater, he apologized and said it was at that point that he, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was at that point that he realized logistically how much George Miller was balancing on set. 
he probably didn't say much because he was like, hey, Tom, you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up, buddy. Right. <laughs> That's, it was an interesting little tidbit of information, I thought. I thought Hardy did a... He, man, Tom Hardy did a great job. I thought everybody in this movie did pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think he came in and took over Mel Gibson's role beautifully. Probably liked him as Mad Max a little bit more than I did Mel Gibson. Well, you know... Well, I'm, oh, let me say. Let me say. They make this one uh, more likable. Let me rephrase what I'm saying. I think I like this version of Mad Max more than I did the version of him in Road Warrior. We go a little bit deeper into Max and who his character is in this film than we have in those other sequels. I think. Yeah, and I think you touched on it a little bit, and when we were talking about Road Warrior, how he kind of comes across as a dick. But in this, like, he he still has his, his moments, but they're justified in a different way. Like, everything he does, you're like, well, he needs to survive. Except for that one thing at the end. I kind of... We talked about it when we came out. So yeah, 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 yeah. Spoiler not to mention it, but that was one moment that I honestly didn't feel like it fit with the character they were building throughout the movie. Ah, just go see it for yourself to see what you think. If you don't agree, email me and tell me I'm wrong. I guess we should go into spoilers, but I did want to talk about real quick but before we do. Uh, we we saw it in 3D. What did you think of the 3D, man? I liked it. I mean, it was one of the few times that I actually jumped when something came at the camera. Uh, you're talking about the javelin spears? I, something. I don't remember what it was because, like, it's fast. Like, the the editing is fast. You're cutting between a lot of stuff. There is The screen is full of a lot of information. I don't remember what it was, but somebody threw something, it came at the screen, and I ducked to keep it from hitting me in the face. Yeah. I didn't want to get hit <laughs> in the face. Man, yeah, I thought I thought the 3D was, was really spectacular. I'd, I'd put this in at least the top five films I've seen in 3D. It was, it was well done. I thought it added not as much to, like, the, the action moments, but the... I mean, just, like, the shot where she's, like in the desert and and she kind of goes down on her knees and she's upset oh yeah the shot from the trailer yeah like just kind of the depth of that sand rising up to her and then oh yeah those wide shots you really feel like the depth there that you're not gonna you're not gonna feel as much i mean you'll feel it because it's awesome photography i love those wide shots where like the bad guy in the film a morton joe who is uh, played by uh, Hughes K. Brine, is actually the villain from the first one. He plays Toe Cutter. He's the main bad guy in the first Mad Max. You were, you were Mad telling Max. me about that. So yeah, he's got, this, he's got this hilltop base and some of the wide shots up there where you could see down below. I thought those were so right. awesome in and 3D. The shots where like, the water's coming down and the crowd's moving. Yeah, toward, absolutely. Like, the 3D... It almost creates a cluttered feeling, like you you feel like you're right there in that crowd. Before we go into any like spoilers or anything, I will say the thing I liked most about this movie, even above the unreal and mind blowing action, the photography was amazing. You're talking about that night scene. There's on a the couple desert? of night scenes in this film that, if you have ever tried to shoot something at night will blow your mind. I don't know if it was day for night and just done really well, but I like it looks like desert at night. And Yeah, I don't know how they shot that. 
You see, like, the headlights. I mean, granted, I mean, I know all that stuff can be added in later, but it looks so, so just perfect. Yeah, it does. It's got kind of like a, it's like almost like a black and white with like a, a blue hue. Yeah, and the, the seamlessness between, like, the edge of the horizon going up to the stars. It was, it's, the photography is pretty impressive, whether that's composited or if they actually got it or if it's soundstage. However they did it, thumbs up. I was I was pretty impressed. Some of the shit during the the action scenes, I I don't I don't understand how they got the camera in some of the places they did. When the Blu-ray comes out, I really hope there's a there's a feature that breaks down how much of this movie was CGI? How much of it was practical? How did they do the practical? How did they seam them together? It's definitely a very stylistic look. It's a very high contrast, high saturation in the in the look. If you believe the IMDb uh, trivia, it says right here that over 80% of the effects seen in the film are real practical effects, stunts, makeup, and sets. CGI was used sparingly, mainly to enhance the landscape, remove stunt rigging, and Charlize Theron's uh, left hand. Well, like, that whole Joe Kingdom or whatever it's called, the place where the bad guy lives, that has to be CGI. Like, that place doesn't exist. Well, yeah, I think that's what they were talking about, the landscapes. With the exception of Interstellar, I would say this is probably the best blended CGI mix with live action. Well, other than Nolan stuff. Like now that I'm kind of thinking about that comment, I'm kind of wanting to backtrack on it a little bit. But there was very few times, like once the film got going, like once after the 20 minute mark and that big sandstorm that you see in the trailers, after that set piece, CGI really it doesn't feel like there's much. Yeah, it doesn't really. And there has to be, but it doesn't. I don't know if the movie, if it's just that the movie does such a good job of sucking you in. And building the the tension for the final chase, uh, the action is just unbelievable. Like he keeps up in the ante. It's just like, oh wait, we got visuals. one car. Oh well, now we got five cars. Oh yeah, now we got fifty cars. And some of the cars in this film, like the different designs for like the cars within their different gangs. I thought it was a really like if even like some of the war trucks, how they were like husks of. Older cars, yeah, and just weld like it looks like stuff's just welded together, and and they got rid of all the assless chaps and uh, SMM uh, sports store get up on yeah, this one. This one they went more skull oriented death metal. Other car body parts are used for armor. All of the gang members in the Morton Joe's clan have these steering wheels for their cars that are in this huge shrine in the movie. Let's go ahead and play the trailer now. And then we'll come back and we'll get into the movie. My world is fire and blood. Everything is dependent on oil. We are killing for gasoline. The world is almost out of water. 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 Now there's the water wars. Here they come again. Everybody's gone out of their mind. You're not the only one, Max. 
Out here, everything hurts. You want to get through this? Do as I say. Now pick up what you can and run. That was the trailer for Mad Max Fury Road. Now we're going to get a little bit more thick in the plot and discuss little things that we saw throughout the film. So the basic plot of this film... Bad guys chase good guys in one direction. Good guys get idea and go back the other direction where bad guys now are chasing them in the other direction. It's a chase one way and a chase the other. Yeah, we should break it down. Let's just talk about the very first scene. We get introduced to Tom Hardy as Max. We see the back of him. We see a little lizard. Little do we know that that lizard is going to be Mad Max's lunch. And he didn't salt and pepper that thing at all. He just... He he, bear grills it all the way. He just eats that thing. And then he gets immediately chased by what we come to learn is Morton Joe's gang. It's almost like a cult. Yeah. And they have those really cool, those javelin spears that have some kind of explosive head. Some of them do, but I noticed that some of them are different. Yeah, so you've got Joe's place, who he's basically set himself up as some sort of, like, god idol or something, where he controls the water, and he'll give his his followers just a little bit of water, but then he warns that they don't want to get addicted to it. Which I thought was weird. It's like, don't you need that shit to survive? But then, r- right after that, you're you're sort of revealed into the upper echelon of... His community, which consists a lot of his sons, and some of them are a little deformed. And they're all using breast milk as a source of nutrition. How do you describe the the, the rows of overweight women? Yeah, he's got some women hooked up like cows, and they are... Yeah, they're being... They're being milked. milked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. And it's that great scene where that guy comes up, and he's he, he hands him the glass of milk, and he... He steps it. He's like, "Yeah, that is some tasty breast milk right there." I, I guess. So during this time, Max is being held down in the uh, prison area after a, a failed escape attempt, attempted to escape. Yeah, he's he is then moved into the blood bank where he becomes Nuck's blood bag. Yep. Because Nux apparently is sick and needs blood. Now, see, I didn't understand. Like, are they? Is he sick because he's like one of the the, the formed children of this guy, or I probably just lack of nutrition would be my guess. Well, he's got food there, and everybody. Yeah, like, but he's st- you can tell like he doesn't. You look at him; he, they're not taken care of. Well, yeah, he's got he's messed up too. Like, I don't know if that was like some kind of disease that maybe they had. Yeah, it doesn't really explain. In Morton Joe, they show him, and when he's getting like all made up and he's getting his cool like badass outfit, and he's got some pu- pussy like just gross boils all over his back. Yeah, I, I, I took it as that he's deformed. He has deformed children, but he has the later to be revealed wives to keep producing in hopes to have normal, normal babies. They keep using that over and over again, the, the normal. Right. So, at this point, a convoy leaves the haven, or whatever it's called, 
Uh, it's got a name. The Citadel. The Citadel, that's it. That's what it is. Um, a convoy leaves, led by Charlize Theron. She's headed to get bullets or something. No, gas. And bullets and gas. And she veers off the main road. And Joe gets really pissed, so he sends a convoy out to get her. Now, this is one thing I didn't understand. On her, like, war tanker that she's driving, there's guys all over it. And they even go down there, and they're like, hey, boss. Talking to Charlize Theron's character, like, was there a change of plans? Right. Like, wouldn't they know if there's a change of plans? Like, the only way they were communicating was with flares. They show them communicating, like, they have these flares. I, I just assume that information about what's going on is so kept to the upper echelon that they do whatever they're told. Okay, yeah, I was, I was the, wondering about that when I was watching the movie. I was like, she's in, dumb. like, the upper echelon, so... They ask her, what, what's up, boss? And then when they realize that, oh, boss is turncoat, then that's when they start trying to stop her. But they, it takes a while, though, because... Yeah, they, they're not the brightest bunch of bald people. When Because yeah, when, when she goes off the path, that's when they run into the spiky car. Right. What, 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 what was that game called? What did you say? I was think it? those were the bullet people. They have the I'd, spiky I'd, cars. I'd have to watch it again. They have the porcupine cars. Right. We get our first really cool action scene. And this was, outside of the end, this was my favorite action sequence in the movie. I mean, I, really th- I thought this was really cool. That's when we get the, the full effect of these explosive spears that they have. One of Immortan Joe's gang members gets shot with some arrows. And this is the first time we see them like sacrifice themselves by spraying the chrome paint into their mouth. And they just go suicide bomber. Right. On whatever with these explosive spears. Max gets pulled into this. He is Nux's blood bag. So since he's hooked up to Nux and Nux wants to go sacrifice himself for King Joe, whatever his name is. Immortal Joe. Immortal Joe. Immortan. He straps Immortan Max Joe. Sorry. to the front of his car and goes to war. Well, obviously Max gets loose. He ends up with Charlize Theron. It's at this point that Max's character starts coming to terms with, like, what he's been through and what the possibilities are. He ends up helping Charlize Theron, who, the reason she has turned and and gone the wrong way and kind of broken away from her group is she has stolen Joe's brides. He's got these really... The breeders. Hot breeding women that he keeps. Is yeah, slave women is right. what they are. They all have these chastity belts on, and oh yeah, that one has like chastity belts with like some kind of crazy teeth. Yeah, it didn't look comfortable. One of them is pregnant. At first, he's stealing their vehicle. He accidentally shoots her in the leg, and eventually she dies. And that's led that leads to a fairly disturbing birth scene. But the, she didn't die from getting shot. In no, the no, leg, no. Though. She gets she dies from like falling out of the truck. And getting ran over. And yeah, she she gets run over later in a, in a crash scene. It's kind of questioned. I didn't really get to see it when she got thrown under the car. But all the girls in the back are like, oh, no, we got to go back for her. And Charlie Theron's character asked Max, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. It happened so quick. I didn't, I'm not 100% sure that she did go, get under, like, under the wheel. I interpreted what I saw as Max didn't know. He knew if they went back, they would get caught. Charlie's Theron is showing him, look, we're not bad people. I'll trust you. You can trust us. Because after that, they're they're on the same team. Yeah. Before that, Max has basically kidnapped them. 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he needs them to start start the vehicle. Right. Her fate is left like pretty much indetermined, and they cut back to her later. And Immortan Joe is he has her. She's like barely alive. Yeah. And she, they end up she, cutting the baby out, and they just toss it off like it's it is now like a piece of ham. Well, the dude was very, he was you know he cut it up. He's like uh, you know maybe maybe one more month. You know, uh, you know, maybe we would have had something here, and that's well, when Morton Joe's like, "Was it? Was it a boy? Was well, it normal?" What was the most interesting part of that was the dude doing the surgery says, "Yeah, it's normal." The other guy stood stands up and makes the announcements. I had a brother, and he was normal. <laughs> you know, inside of this very comic booky action world, that was kind of a powerful line to think about. If you lived in a world where having normal kids is a huge thing, normal, yeah, I mean that they're they're living in a wasteland of a world. So, what were some of your um, favorite set pieces? Well, I, I did like the beginning one. That was probably my favorite, and that I liked how that climaxes into that big uh, that big sandstorm that starts off like a sandstorm in the wide shot, but then when you go in, it's like a tornado. Oh, that was lightning yeah. sandstorm of death. I thought that was pretty intense. That was insane. Especially an- like in the 3D, you could see the sand coming by. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does make it a little hard to follow the action at times. But, yeah, thinking about, like, even just thinking about, like, a tornado in that much sand would be messed up. Yeah, and I like how there's this other vehicle that's that's chasing uh, the war tanker that Charlize Theron's character is driving. And she, like, butts them into this tornado, and they get yeah. sucked up. And then we get Max, who's still tied to the front of the car. We get kind of, like, his point of view of this. And they just, like, their well, car no, explodes. Well, at that point, and- he had already climbed onto the back, and he is chained Oh, that's nuts. right. That's right. He's got a chain on his wrist. He's no longer on the front. You're that right. hooks to Nux's wrist. And they're fighting over control of the car, and Theron shoves him into the tornado. So next time we see Max, the storm has passed, and he's face down in the sand, which leads to a very funny scene where he's trying to figure out how to get this chain off of his arm. And honestly, I couldn't figure out why he didn't just cut Nux's hand off. Well, I don't think he has a knife. Like, if you look at it, I think he was going to actually bite his hand off. I think he was going to start to chew Nux's arm off. That's when he notices that the tanker is still there. Yeah, I thought he was, when he picks up the car door, I thought he was going to slam it and rip his hand off. But what it turns out, Nux turns out to be a good guy. He gets off the tanker, gets back on the tanker, and the second time he gets on, he ends up kind of falling in love with one of the brides, or one of the slave women. One of the hottest ones, too. Uh, you know the set piece I thought was really cool was the the motorcycle people? Oh, yeah, the motorcycle game. Which led to a really cool action sequence, but... The way they have the rocks set up, so they can they can drop the rocks. Yeah, and, and block the path. Apparently, they can pick them up and put them back because when they come back through later, they're back in the same formation. Oh, I just thought that was a different path. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, that's what I assumed. I just saw that L formation of rocks, so I assumed that was what they did. Maybe they did that. I don't. Man, I have to go back and watch it again. I just I thought they they just took a different path. What I thought was cool is when they were. Riding and jumping over the war tanker and dropping the bombs on yeah. the war tanker. I thought that was really cool. That whole Yeah, that sequence was really good. As a viewer, I'm watching it and I go, oh, come on, y'all are in a big 18-wheeler truck. You can 
motorcycles aren't a problem for y'all. And then they start jumping over the the truck and dropping hand grenades down or little firebombs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, Max and uh, Charlize Theron are out knocking them off. I like it when Max gets in the car after, because Charlize Theron's character has some kind of starter sequence. And the first thing Max does when he gets in the car, he still has his face mask on. He's constantly filing the face mask off while collecting guns in the cab. Like, anything that's a weapon, he is just collecting and putting into a bag. Like, this is my bag of firearms. Right. <laughs> I, I thought that was a good detail. He's, like, constantly scavenging while getting the mask off. Which, that mask was really cool. Very Hannibal what, Lecter. What is your take on... It's at night. They're the whole. I thought the the stuck in the mud sequence was great. Oh, and then the bog. Um, I thought that was just a great idea because in so many like chase movies, they're just like hit mud and it's no big deal, but they actually get stuck and they're having to like get unstuck. But at one point, they pass through like this bog area. And there's these people on, on these the stilts? weird stilts. I was going to ask you about that. What the fuck was that? I don't know, man. I guess I guess these guys just learned to live out there like that? I guess. They're never mentioned. No, they don't bring them up or anything. I didn't know if I like missed some connection. No, to... it's just that one shot. And they're kind of even in silhouette, so you, can't really, you couldn't really see that much detail on them. Another thing I really liked, it, around this point in the movie... Uh, you're introduced to two other clan members. So now you have Immortant Joe, and you meet, like, the head of the bullet people and the head of the gas people. And they're both, like Joe, crazy old men. So you, you really get this sense that in this wasteland of a world, crazy old men are, are becoming the strongheads and the figureheads of these little groups. Wasn't well, one of the dudes, like, dressed up in, like, a... Some kind of crazy gen, like military general outfit. Yeah, it was the bullet dude. He's the guy that they're chasing Mad Max and them through this bog. Mad Max is trying to shoot out their headlight with a shotgun, and he he misses twice. There's only one bullet left. He gives it back to Charlize Theron. She hits it. The glass goes into Bullet Guy's eyes. <laughs> the, the, He's blind now. That's a good scene. He's like, yeah. I can't see. It's right in front of your face. And he, like, holds those guns up ah, with whatever his little speech is. This is a really awesome scene for Max. Because when those guys start coming, he just goes out there and takes care of it. Everyone that's back on the war tanker. Trying to, I think they're trying to cool the engine down at this point. Max yeah. goes off, and you hear an explosion. And then he comes back a little bit later. He's got blood on his face. And he just drops off all the guns and everything that he could salvage from their vehicle. There's blood all over him, and he starts washing his face. And he asks, what, what is this? And the, the bride tells him it's breast milk. <laughs> and he just pauses for a second and then continues cleaning up. Like, you have no idea how he killed all these people, but he, he, he did a bloody job of it. Yeah, I, I, I like that. It's just it's like, man, this guy's so badass. You know, he's got it taken care of. We don't even need to see it. There is one thing I, I did want to touch on, like, with Tom Hardy, what they did with Max's time, he constantly has flashbacks of his daughter, which is weird because in the original movie it was a boy. I don't know why he has a daughter now. See, I did. I haven't seen the original movie, so I thought I thought that was a little confusing. But I guess they wanted to go with it was a girl, right? It wasn't like a boy with long hair, was it? 
I don't know. It's not on screen long enough to. So he starts having yeah he starts having these flashbacks. It, it looked like a girl. Um, like to me, a lot of them came across. I was getting the sense that he was flashing back not just to his family but to a lot of people that he's met along the way, good people that he could have stayed with that he left, either left for dead or didn't help, and it's these people that are haunting him. Charlize Theron's character, apparently she's from a place called the Greenland. Yes. And that's where she's planning to... Or was it just called the Green? Green something. Okay, whatever. Anyway. She's planning to steal these brides and take them... She's constantly telling him, you're not property, we're going to go to the Greenland. But when we get there, we find out that the Greenland has been, it, it is no more. Now it's just desert, they can't grow it's, anything. It's the bog they pass. Yeah. And that, well, that's when Charlize Theron, they, she actually meets the the mothers or... The remnants of her people. And uh, yeah, they're like, yeah, that shit's gone, honey. This this is it. This is us. And they're stationed at like a old power yeah uh antenna yeah a chick's stationed up there and they're trying to trying to trick them and then charlie searing character comes out and they all they all go out but the one of the old one of the mother ladies has a bag full of seeds but they can't plant them in the ground because the ground is sour were you thinking of pet cemetery when she said that no the ground's sour no i it just made me wonder was it nuclear war was it sometimes dead better now you're making me want to watch that movie that's a good movie. We should definitely do a podcast on that. I love Pet Cemetery. So it's at this point that Charlize Theron's character decides they're going to go further and look for something else, but Mad Max convinces her, no, there is a place with water, land where you can grow. Veggies. Veggies. The food's already growing there. It's the Citadel. Why don't you go take the Citadel? And we learned that the why the water's good there is because it's... There's an aquifer. Yeah, being pumped from the ground. So it's endless water, basically. So they decide, they turn around and they face, they face their pursuers head on. You get the big climactic chase scene, dude. Now, we haven't mentioned one of the highlights of this entire film. Is in Joe's convoy. Apparently they don't have radios in the car. So he has a giant band warship car with drummers and guitar player with fire that is, he has to play his hard rock music through all of it. And when Jeremy, Jeremy's saying like, like the guy has got fire, like the fire is coming out of the guitar. Like this guy is rocking out on his guitar and there's flames coming out at the end of it. And the drummers are just back there. Boom, 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 boom. And he's also like strapped in like Pinocchio too, like he's on strings. It is, uh, it's Bizarre. an insane visual. <laughs> it is one of the strangest. And those guys, oh man, those guys get really fucked up at the end too. As a filmmaker and a writer, like I, it, sometimes it just boggles my mind. Like, how do you come up with action action stuff like that? Yeah, like everything is constantly building. Yeah, I mean, just even like the when they're on those like pogo. Swingy, sticky things. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're using the poles. Yeah, the the poles on the car to swing from car to car. Yeah. Like, it so just fits into the story. Well, it's so like like those 50 swashbucklers. Yeah. You know, and it's like, here it is, put in this dystopian car gasoline guzzling future. Right. 
it's like that's such a brilliant idea, man. It took us four Mad Max films to get that. With you well, we needed the hundred and fifty million dollar budget, but well, you know that helps. Like that has to have that has to be like a team of people that are. Just like, what if this happens? And what if this happens? Well, yeah. Well, they had like uh, I remember. Um, I think his name is John Seal, the cinematographer. Like when when he got hired, they didn't even have a script. But they had like 3,500 some odd storyboards. And they were like, oh, okay, uh, well, if you want to know what happens, you start here at the top and then you go over here. That's the end. And that's, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I can see that. That's kind of how this film plays out. Yeah. And then George Miller was talking about like, you know, he wanted this to be almost like a silent film that anybody with any language could just watch the movie and understand it. Mission accomplished, I think. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning with... I don't really think it matters if you give away the plot. It's it's just there to give them a reason to have the big chase scenes. Yeah, well, I mean, I really... That, that turn where Charlize Theron's character, when she gets out there and she realizes her green land is just no more. Man, that's when you get that awesome shot with her crying in the desert. If you watch that shot, there's the, the dune she's sitting on is just like blowing up constant sand it's like it's like a river of sand flowing over her legs oh it's it's really beautiful they did a really good job on this i did i did want to say real quick the the really cool 3d moment i thought at the very end when their war tanker uh nux is driving it and he wrecks it and when that thing explodes all the debris flying out in 3D. I think, what was it that popped out at the end? Was it the steering wheel? Steering wheel flies at the camera. Um, I thought that was a very tasteful throwback to like old school 3D. It felt like he was actually throwing a 3D moment in the movie as opposed to just like, oh, this is the movie I made and we post-converted the motherfucker. You know, I... I like that. It's like, okay, you put a lot of, like, it just shows that you put a lot of thought into it. I have to say, there was there were a couple moments where I was fist pumping the air. Like, this movie, the, the, the action is really fucking good in this movie. Like, I'm not going to go out and say, like, this is the best film ever made. But, man, I will say this is one of the best action movies ever made. Like, is it as good as The Road Warrior? I would say, yes, it is as good as The Road Warrior. Absolutely. Is it better? I don't know. I've seen The Road Warrior, like, 50 times i've seen mad max fury road once i'm just surprised a 70 year old director just came out and bitch smacked every motherfucker in the world and was like yeah i still got it yeah i mean visually that takes a team of uh very creative people to put something like that together he got it right he took a 30 year break from action films this i think this is a really really impressive film really like interesting to think that the the mind that gave us Happy Feet is also the same mind that gave us Mad Max Fury Road with the breast-milked women and wives kept in chastity belts. and The baby dude that was looking through. He's, a, the one, he's one of the deformed brothers. Yeah, and he's got the telescope and he's always like, looking pop out. Pop up, pop up. Well, even the big like um, brother that's like really huge, he even has uh, oxygen. Yeah. Going, I don't know what that was about. I think he has trouble breathing like his dad. Because Joe has that apparatus that's attached to his face. Oh, yeah. That when it gets ripped off, turns his face into hamburger meat. Oh, man, that was so cool how that was designed. I love that. Like, how they 
gave him they gave him that evil like grinning war paint from the people below at the citadel he looks like this like monster god or whatever but in real life he's this feeble man that needs the machine to live I, I really love that Citadel stuff, man. I loved all those shots when they turned the water on and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting shit. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the very last scene of the movie. So, every, you know, Morton Joe's gone. They get back to the Citadel. Max gets out of the car. He drops the dead body of Joe. People start celebrating. The Emperor is dead. Charlize Theron is being ris- ro- risen. On the elevator that is powered by little kids... Yeah, running on the <laughs> running sprockets. on the chains. I, I thought I thought that shot was great. Um, so you can tell like she's gonna be the new leader. We're into a, a, an era of freedom with the people. They release the water. Everybody's drinking water. Everybody's having a good time. It's party time. Yeah, the milk. The milk ladies are release the water. This is the one shot in the movie that like kind of bothered me. Not bothered me like in a good way either. So Charlize Theron's like. Hey, you know what? I really want to share this this moment with my my good buddy Mad Max. Like like where is he? You feel like Max has come to terms with a lot of stuff and he has hope for his own sanity with her. When he goes back in the you know toward the middle of the movie where he leaves and then he comes back convinces them that they should go back to the Citadel and then you feel like he's planning to stay with them. But at the end, he just leaves. Yeah, she looks down. So all the character development that we had throughout the movie just kind of goes away in that one shot. Personally, I felt like it would have been a better ending to the movie to have him reluctantly maybe stay or... Now, this is me talking about future me, what I may or may not like. But after first viewing, I think that's like, I wanted him to stay... That's the ending I wanted as the audience right then in that moment because that movie was yeah. so fun. I think maybe on repeat viewings, like they do a good job of showing his madness. Usually his madness ends up helping him out quite a bit. Like there's that one part where he's on the rig, right? Where like he puts his hand up every time he sees the, the girl. girl. And then there's that one time where that guy goes to shoot him with the arrow and he has a flashback of the girl and he puts his hand up. I get the symbolism why he doesn't stay. I just felt like they did such a good job of creating that character arc of loner deciding to help and then wanting. It was almost parallel with Nook's story of his redemption through the through the, the bribe, but he ends up having to sacrifice himself. Max's redemption was sort of he was helping, and then through helping, he was kind of coping with what he's been dealing with. And I felt like that when he left, it just sort of threw all that away. I'll have to watch it again. It's hard to really even grasp like some of, like some of these characters because right. there's so much action in this fucking film, man. Uh, it is pretty action packed. Some of the characters do get a little, little lost on me, like on the first viewing, just because it's there's just so much, like all the frame with the production design, just everything that's going on. Uh, it, there's no doubt every frame of this film is full of information. I would not mind hearing this film in an Atmos theater. I bet you that sounds pretty awesome, dude. Just the... I, I loved the uh, the Warner Brothers logo, too, at the end. I mean, at the end. At the very beginning of the film, where they cut it in, it's like... <laughs> with the engine, and it just comes like... Dum, 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 dum. It stutters on. I thought that was cool. I was disappointed we didn't get the Batman Superman trailer. All the trailers at our theater were kind of garbage. 
Yeah, I don't remember seeing one that really sparked my, holy crap, I gotta see that. The Although pic- I did really like that Batman Superman poster with Batman. I, I oh, yeah. That caught my attention from like all the way across the theater, and it was like, holy crap, it's like Batman from Watchmen. Yeah, well, they have two. They have one with Batman. I didn't like the Superman one. It's I thought just, they were both good, man. It's, it's, a, it's a really stylistic choice to have it, because it looks like like old newsprint. Yeah. Part of Batman's face is missing, and you see like the Superman logo in his face. And then Superman's the exact same way. It's this like two co- two-tone color image. Batman's ripping across the front. But the Batman image with the Superman thing on his face just caught my attention from like 50 feet away. But the more and the more they release that marketing... Yeah. Dude, I'm kind of getting on board with this, dude. Getting a little excited. I'm the exact same way when they announced, even back right after Man of Steel, and I, truth be known, I liked Man of Steel a lot more than Brian did. There's some things I wish they had done to make it a better movie, but overall, I yeah. thought it was a fun Superman movie. When they first announced that the sequel to Man of Steel was going to be him versus Batman, I almost just gave up hope. I was like, that's just, a, I can't, why, why? And I, you know, I had a lot of friends that are like, "Oh, it's going to lead to Justice League. That's going to be awesome." And I was like, "I don't, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> I want Superman." But, yeah, man. The more the marketing's leaked on, not leaked, but been slowly rolled out on that. And I'm a little bit comic book burned out right now. Like, I still haven't gone to see the Avengers. Yeah, I haven't seen the Avengers uh, yet either. <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, I don't know. well, I've seen the Avengers. I haven't seen the the new one. You know, it's just it, it's been a lot. And they're relaunching uh, Spider-Man again. But there seems to be something special about this Batman-Superman thing that seems very different than everything else that's happening. It's that more mature, this is not I mean, if you've seen Watchmen, you get that, that feeling that to create that sort of realistic world where these comic book characters can exist in it and it doesn't feel wrong. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. I hope it makes its money back. They got a lot of shit planned. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, both Warner and Disney right now have really extended their arms onto these comic books. Oh, no, dude, Disney's insane. They got all the Avengers lineup, and now they got all this Star Wars stuff. And they're still talking about Indiana Jones. Oh, dude, let that go, man. With casting a new Indiana Jones. Not a new one. Dude, if they get Chris Pratt... Outside. You know who that you know yeah, that's I know. What thinking about. Uh, yeah, of course it is. Because he's like he's kind of like the new Harrison Ford. They're like, he's funny, he's he's handsome, he's not too handsome, he's got a rugged look, he's got a good yeah, five o'clock know. shadow. If there was a script that redeemed Indiana Jones, and even if they, you know, Chris Pratt is a younger Indiana Jones, I could I could be interested if sold right. Final thoughts, Mad Max, Fury Road. I like the guy from the Rolling Stones final thought. It was uh, brutal and brilliant. Uh, I forget what he used, but it was like a cinema of chaos or something like that. Oh, cinema of cinema of chaos. Is it, it was it was something. He used some beautifully written because he's a fucking writer and I'm not. So final thoughts on this would be that yeah, it's a masterpiece of chaos. That's what I would say. If you like chase scenes, you'll like it. If you like bizarre imagery you'll like it if you like action there's no reason for you to not like it if you're looking for the piano player 
you're probably in the wrong theater. Yeah, yeah, I would say that that's that's definitely a safe bet. It, it looks, should be nominated for an Oscar. Though. It looks amazing. Really? What Oscar? I'd get throw a sound nomination in there. Visual effects, I'd throw throw that in there. Yeah, I would give visual effects. I think we should open up and give them an honorary stunt person fucking award, like dear god. Maybe even cinematography. Oh yeah, nominate yeah, cinematography, editing, um I I would I would I would back off on editing a little bit. No, dude, I I really liked how this film. I was thought cut. it was edited well, but there were moments that could have used a little slowdown. Really, I thought the shots. I thought you had plenty of time. It did not feel like it was cut like Michael Bay or J.J. Abrams, where it was like. I thought it was. Oh really? I didn't yeah. feel that. Like uh, even when that tanker blew up in the last like uh, chase there, sequence, there was I a thought couple. That was of, there was a down. couple of moments that. Following everything that was happening, it was a little chaotic. Well, I mean, I like how... Now, George Miller does have, like... He's got that style where he likes to speed up his footage and gets the camera all into actors' faces, but it's usually when they're they're actually speeding up in a shot or he's going for for an effect at those moments. Uh, I I like those, and that's what he's going for. I'm not saying I did not like the editing. I'm just saying that when it comes to, like... Best of the year? Best of the year... Well, best of the year so far. It's been a good year for cinema, brother. Been a good year. 2015 shaping up uh, well. Um, it follows. I really enjoyed that. Ex Machina really enjoyed that. And dude, I I thoroughly loved this film. I thought it was entertaining from start to finish. Uh, I thought they took the Mad Max character a little bit further than they did in previous installments. We actually got to see him like mad for the first time. We put the mad before Max. Got to see some flashbacks, what he was actually thinking. We got to see a little bit more of the reasons why he was doing things. And I, Charlize Theron's character and the Nux character, I thought they were awesome. Um, I really liked uh, Charlize Theron's uh, arm. I thought that was cool. It's non—it's a non-stop through ride. Like I was on the edge of my seat pretty much the entire time. I mean, this is, I think, spiritually m- more like The Road Warrior than any of the other ones. Um it fits in, even though it's 30 years later, it fits in the franchise well. I'm going to definitely watch this one several several more times here. I'm definitely going to go see it in the theater a couple more times. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of advertising, advertisements saying, like, best action movie ever, and I don't know if I could go with that. Uh, I mean, I'm still like, Die Hard's got to be the best action movie ever. I, I think I'd put that, if that wasn't number one, that'd be in my top three for sure. Visually, what you see on screen... In this is pretty stunning, dude. I think visually, this is the best action film since maybe The Matrix. Oh, like, does Dark Knight count as is that an action film or is that a? I just call it that as a comic book movie because so, so comic book movies are not considered into action films. Although, like Mad Max Fury Road, I wouldn't even consider it just an action movie. That can be like it's a dystopian this? action thriller. I think it's the best punk apocalypse movie I've seen. In- period oh wow you like so you like this more than the road warrior oh yeah really yeah oh, okay that's interesting there's, I, there's some more. things in the road warrior i like better but overall i thought this was a stronger movie benson you just hate those goddamn beautiful assless chaps don't you why do you hate them so much they're beautiful i just thought the i thought the villain in this was well more way more developed I thought the uh, yeah, I agree with that. The visual and the just the scope 
of the world was well more way more developed. Oh yeah. Well, he's got the money to build that world, man. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't compare a $150 million movie to what World Warrior was, what, eight, five, maybe? Somewhere in that ballpark. We we both liked it. I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I mean, if, if as, you... As long as you like an action film. If you like action films, you you should like this movie. Yeah. You like um, post-apocalyptic sci-fi films, I would say you'd probably even like this film. Where you're not... With the people that aren't going to like it is if do you like... If you're looking for something that would be nominated for best screenplay, there was none. Eh, you know, it was it was fine. I didn't have any problems with the story at all, man. Um, no, there's no problem with it, but it's there, it's not a layered story that it was layered. It was layered it, enough. It leaves you more talking about holy shit that pogo thing was cool. All right, well we're gonna wrap this up. We liked Mad Max Fury Road. Thumbs up, Benson. How can motherfuckers get in touch with you? Girlinwoods.com. Or hit me up on Twitter, J. Edward Benson. Get all the news on the new movie, Girl in Woods. We got some cool announcements coming up soon. Top secret stuff. Top secret. But Val Kilmer, he knows. See, he was in Top Secret. See what I did there? I did want to mention real quick before we left, in Memphis, Tennessee, at the Summer Drive-In, they are actually showing on July 18th, that's a Saturday, at 8, 13 p.m., they're showing a really good lineup at the Summer Drive-In. They're showing Escape from New York, which we've covered, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, which we also have covered, Repo Man, and The Warriors. We've talked about that, I think, in the the, uh, Escape from New York and uh, Road Warrior podcast as well. Warriors come out to play. That's going to do it for us tonight, guys. As always, if you want to get in contact with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the movie crew. Crew is spelled C R E W E, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. Our phone number, you can leave us a voicemail. That phone number is 323 539 8661. And we'll play your voicemail on the air. And as always, if you could give us a rating on iTunes and Stitcher, that would be awesome because that's how people find out about the show. We are available on both of those. So we're going to close out the show tonight with a track from the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack from Junkie XL. This is track 10, Brothers in Arms. Enjoy. Enjoy.